discuss the future of work and company culture. I'm Maggie Bertram, and I'm a team lead on our learning and development team here at HubSpot. On today's episode, we're going to be digging into a topic many of us are reticent to talk about, particularly in the workplace, mental health. When it comes to addressing diversity and inclusion in the workplace, organizations often address issues related to gender and ethnicity first. But the diversity and inclusion umbrella includes so many more underrepresented communities, such as those with disabilities, folks with mental health issues and chronic illness, veterans, parents, and many more. So it's important we continue to have these conversations, not only as an organization, employees, but as real human beings connecting with other human beings. I'm joined today by two fantastic HubSpotters, both of whom are really passionate about this topic and advocates for making HubSpot a more diverse and inclusive workplace. Libby Maurer, Head of User Experience at HubSpot, and Winston Tuggle, a human resources business partner working with several departments at HubSpot. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Maggie. Hey, Maggie. Thanks for having us. Great. Thank you both so much for making the time to chat today. And to get started, could you share with listeners a bit about what you do at HubSpot and why? Libby, you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I lead the user experience team. Uh, we're a team of designers and researchers, and we really dig deeply into customer problems, try to really understand what they're looking to accomplish, um, and then we provide design solutions in our software for them. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. How about you, Winston? Cool. So I'm an HR business partner, as you mentioned. I support multiple teams, so roughly five teams here at HubSpot. Um, my job is really to remove friction in the employee experience, if I want to boil it down in a simple statement. Um, so I partner with the business to understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve, um, and then look at the people side of things and make sure that the people are aligned to that mission. And we are so lucky to have you in your team. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. Yes. Um, so let's start out by just putting all our cards on the table. Talking about mental health in the workplace is kind of awkward. Um, it's not an easy thing to have a conversation about even with a really close colleague who you trust on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and there tends to be this like cloud of shame that we kind of in the space call stigma. But essentially, like we walk around ashamed, like there's this black cloud of a diagnosis or something that we struggle with on a daily basis um, that we just feel like, oh, let's hide it. Like, let's put something up, let's dress it up, put a silver lining around it and try to hope that no one notices. But we bring that cloud into the workplace every day, no matter how hard we try to hide it. So I just want to talk about how we can start to push back against this normative behavior that I think many of us bring into the workplace, which is Let's put up the facade. Let's dress up that dark cloud and pretend like it's not there. How can we push back on that? One of the things I think about a lot is, you know, HubSpot has a culture, and we, we talk about this, and we, we, we try to practice what we preach, where we are bringing our whole selves to work. Um, and so myself as a leader, I really push myself to sort of challenge my own thinking on that. And because of it, you know, I think it's really important for us to talk with transparency about bringing our whole selves to work. And for a lot of people, that means they're, they're bringing mental health conditions into the workplace. Um, and I think just acknowledging that head on and being very honest about it and also sort of public about it is, is really important. Yeah, yeah I think um, piggybacking on that, I think transparency is really key. And 
um, setting the stage. I think leaders actually make the biggest impact, and leaders set the culture and set the stage. So, um, Libby, I know you'll talk about this more in the future, but like we have a wiki that's very open. People can share content. Um, if leaders are willing to share things that are personal to themselves or experiences that they've experienced within their families or friends, um, that makes other people realize, oh, if that leader can do it, then I can do it myself, which creates a little bit more of a transparent environment. Um, I also think trust is really important, uh, building a foundation of trust. And like, I think about trust, there's obviously trust between two individuals, but there's also trust between people and an organization. So it's really important that people build trust with, I think about it from HubSpot's perspective, right? Um, so it's not actually just like telling people, hey, if you have something, like share it with us. They're probably just not going to share it if you just say that right away. But if you are constantly listening to people, constantly sharing content with people, educating people, um, making people feel welcome and feel like there is that trust that builds up over time, then I think they're more naturally going to be able to share something that might be personal to them. So I think that's such a good point. What you're talking about is creating an environment where psychological safety yes. thrives. Yep. I know we have another podcast, or it's, it's coming potentially, um, about psych safety and yep. how we think about that at HubSpot. But you're absolutely right, I think. You know that that trust is so so important not only for leaders and and their team but also leaders to, to the business as well yeah I agree I think storytelling is such a huge part of that too um, I think we've had some great leaders across the business tell their own stories we've seen indi individual contributors on our teams do the same and the power of the storytelling is that those people automatically sort of become very visible allies within the company um, and they make themselves, it's almost like they've put a sign in their, in their window, right, of like, hey, this is a safe space to talk about mental health, which I think is a little bit, we see, you know, on businesses, you know, like pride stickers and things like that, and I think to some extent, the way that we use our wiki and the way that we talk about mental health there, people are doing the same thing. It's sort of like, you're welcome here. Um, it's so refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, God, I can be myself with this person Absolutely. and I can be honest about what I bring to the table, which was something, too. We had a book club a, a couple of months ago. We read The Collected Schizophrenias, great book, um, and had a nice turnout and a great and robust conversation. Libby, I know you were a part of that as well. And just to see the company rally around a book that highlighted a mental illness that, quite frankly, is probably one of the larger bigger stigmatized issues. We talk about, I think, depression and anxiety in a more pedestrian way for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Like more people are getting help, but it also kind of, it's so normalized now that people are like, well, everybody's anxious, which is a whole <laughs> other thing, right? Um, but to see so many people talk with compassion and empathy around schizophrenia, yep. um, which is so deeply misunderstood, was, was really great. Um, Winston, do you see, you know, from your perspective, you're meeting with HubSpotters every day. What kinds of things, you know, should like a manager level person know if an individual contributor comes to them and discloses something like this? Yeah. What's a good way to respond? It's, it can catch people off guard. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the old school way of thinking about it is like training, training, training. We always need to give people training. Um, I honestly think like meeting with empathy is the only training you need. Uh, I know I'm making it sound simpler than it is, but in many ways, like listening, 
just saying, okay, like I hear you, um, what can I do for you? Asking just questions to people is really valuable. So training managers in all situations to be able to ask the right questions and um, understand what that person is working through and how to set that person up for success, I think is um, really critical. And then understanding how they can put the right support structure in place. Um, there's so many different things managers can do, organizations can do to make sure people are set up for success, um, regardless of mental health issues or not. Um, so uh, managers understanding what those options are uh, and proposing those options to people so people are aware of um, how they can take advantage of the resources available. Yeah, I have certainly experienced a wide swath of responses. I have my own diagnoses um, and going in and talking to managers about them, you get a full range of responses yeah. from, um, I'm not going to ask about, we're just going to pretend that this didn't happen all the way to, I'm going to treat you like a fragile person yeah. who can't handle anything and, and everything in between. I think what's nice here, especially with the HRVP team, um, and the work that you all do with managers to help have those conversations, yeah. um, there's a lot more empathy and compassion and thinking about what is that individualized solution to fuel someone's success. Definitely. And I think like going back to some of the training I was talking about, it's more like educating folks along the way of all different types of experiences and education builds empathy. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing we did in one of the teams that support, we called it Project Educate. And it was very simple, but every uh, week we sent out an article that related to uh, a different element of diversity in the workplace. And every manager was uh, not even required, but encouraged to read it. And then they'd start a little thread where they could have a conversation about it, ask questions. Some people had more um, of a personal connection to that article at times. You could share more context. But um, in those situations, kind of being proactive and educating managers about different situations that people face. Uh, so then when they do hear about it, because a lot of times you assume that they know. They're like, oh, yeah, of course you know that uh, that's something that a lot of people deal with. But sometimes you'd be surprised. I've been in situations where managers don't know. Um, so I do think as an organization, it's our job to make sure we educate managers so when the time does arise, um, they feel equipped and have some more knowledge than um, what they would have had before. Sure. Building empathy through education. Yeah. Winston, I thought what you said about listening being sort of a, a strategy for having these conversations between leaders, managers, and, and reports um, when they choose to disclose is really important. And one of the things I think about a lot with um, mental wellness uh, in the workplace is, you know, at, at least on my team, we really exist to listen to customers, right? That's how we uncover what problems they have, um, how they need need us to support them to you know get 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 their jobs done, um, and so if we apply that same skill that we really develop and cultivate when we are trying to solve customer problems on our teams, um, it's it's really just the same sort of behavior. Yep. And I think you're right. I think that listening skill is so undervalued in managers um, and leaders. Um, so that's something that I consistently really kind of reinforce with with my leadership team. Um, and then also that that creates a safe space, right? And that's where that trust comes in. Yep. So I think that's a really important point. Yeah, yeah Libby, you deal in um, like design thinking and going through those processes to solve problems. I'm curious, you know, as you think about applying that back to your team and how that sort of translation works, what kinds of challenges? have you tried to tackle in this realm around diversity and inclusion on your team and 
and what have been some of the impacts of that? Yeah, so um, certainly we've, we've had our challenges. I think the, the first thing for me as a leader um, that I've really had to overcome is when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it, it feels to me like a boil the ocean type of issue. Um, I think we've all encountered these in our careers where we're faced with a challenge that just feels so big or it's new to us and we don't know where to start. Um, and sometimes there's a little bit of paralysis and like, well, you know, I've got to fix this big, massive issue right away as fast as possible. And the reality is this is not something that can be fixed or addressed immediately. This is sort of like a, a slow burn or a long game. Um, I definitely meant to say long game there, not slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any case, so I think th that has been probably the number one challenge obstacle that I've had to just face myself, um, you know, skin some knees along the way. Um, I think the, the second thing, just sort of as an extension of that, that I realized um, that has been sort of sabotaging or had been sabotaging our, our diversity and inclusion efforts on my team is just the, the pace at which we run. Um, you know, we're a fast-growing team. We have doubled in size in the last year and a half. Um, and so we're, we're constantly sourcing, filling roles. The work that we do, the pace of the work that we do is very quick. We rapidly iterate on um, you know, solving customer problems so that we can get those solutions out to them as fast as possible. And so you know, we, we work really quickly. And I think when we do that, I've, I've realized just taking a step back and kind of pausing, we, we run the risk of sort of tripping on ourselves. Um, and one of the ways that I'll point to um, is just in our sourcing and recruiting efforts. Um, and so we've really, we've done a, a couple of things to really step back, slow that down and be a little bit more thoughtful and deliberate about um, you know, who, who we're looking for to join the team. And doing that has allowed us to really, um, really di diversify um, the talent that we have on our team, identifying where we have skill and competency gaps, identifying um, you know, one of the things that I, that I love about our team is that we have people who speak many different languages. We have people who have spent time working in different parts of the world. Um, all, of, all of these skills and competencies are fantastic because they really mirror our customer base. And I think it's really, that diversity is really, really important as we're solving customer problems. So those are just a few of the things that we've, we've dealt with. And we're not there yet. I think we have a lot of progress to make, but I'm, I'm also really proud of how we've kind of stepped back and forced ourselves to slow down a little bit. Yeah. One thing I want to jump in on around yeah. the design thinking question, um, this is reminding me that, Livy, I want to talk to you about this at some point. Let's I'm, do it. I'm obsessed with the design <laughs> thinking concept. I think it's really cool. Me too. And it applies to diversity in so many different ways. Uh, I've probably done the least... Uh, technical design thinking exercises imaginable with some teams, but uh, it, it keeps saying the word empathy because it's probably my favorite word, but it's the best thing ever. And design thinking builds empathy as far as I understand it. And uh, we actually did this exercise with the uh, PeopleOps leadership team during their offsite where we uh, created profiles of different potential HubSpotters. So um, someone that was a person of color coming from um, a low income background, someone that um, came from a big company, someone came from a small company, someone that worked in education.
discuss the future of work and company culture. I'm Maggie Bertram, and I'm a team lead on our learning and development team here at HubSpot. On today's episode, we're going to be digging into a topic many of us are reticent to talk about, particularly in the workplace, mental health. When it comes to addressing diversity and inclusion in the workplace, organizations often address issues related to gender and ethnicity first. But the diversity and inclusion umbrella includes so many more underrepresented communities, such as those with disabilities, folks with mental health issues and chronic illness, veterans, parents, and many more. So it's important we continue to have these conversations, not only as an organization, employees, but as real human beings connecting with other human beings. I'm joined today by two fantastic HubSpotters, both of whom are really passionate about this topic and advocates for making HubSpot a more diverse and inclusive workplace. Libby Maurer, Head of User Experience at HubSpot, and Winston Tuggle, a human resources business partner working with several departments at HubSpot. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Maggie. Hey, Maggie. Thanks for having us. Great. Thank you both so much for making the time to chat today. And to get started, could you share with listeners a bit about what you do at HubSpot and why? Libby, you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I lead the user experience team. Uh, we're a team of designers and researchers, and we really dig deeply into customer problems, try to really understand what they're looking to accomplish, um, and then we provide design solutions in our software for them. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. How about you, Winston? Cool. So I'm an HR business partner, as you mentioned. I support multiple teams, so roughly five teams here at HubSpot. Um, my job is really to remove friction in the employee experience, if I want to boil it down in a simple statement. Um, so I partner with the business to understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve, um, and then look at the people side of things and make sure that the people are aligned to that mission. And we are so lucky to have you in your team. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. Yes. Um, so let's start out by just putting all our cards on the table. Talking about mental health in the workplace is kind of awkward. Um, it's not an easy thing to have a conversation about even with a really close colleague who you trust on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and there tends to be this like cloud of shame that we kind of in the space call stigma. But essentially, like we walk around ashamed, like there's this black cloud of a diagnosis or something that we struggle with on a daily basis um, that we just feel like, oh, let's hide it. Like, let's put something up, let's dress it up, put a silver lining around it and try to hope that no one notices. But we bring that cloud into the workplace every day, no matter how hard we try to hide it. So I just want to talk about how we can start to push back against this normative behavior that I think many of us bring into the workplace, which is Let's put up the facade. Let's dress up that dark cloud and pretend like it's not there. How can we push back on that? One of the things I think about a lot is, you know, HubSpot has a culture, and we, we talk about this, and we, we, we try to practice what we preach, where we are bringing our whole selves to work. Um, and so myself as a leader, I really push myself to sort of challenge my own thinking on that. And because of it, you know, I think it's really important for us to talk with transparency about bringing our whole selves to work. And for a lot of people, that means they're, they're bringing mental health conditions into the workplace. Um, and I think just acknowledging that head on and being very honest about it and also sort of public about it is, is really important. Yeah, yeah I think um, piggybacking on that, I think transparency is really key. And 
um, setting the stage. I think leaders actually make the biggest impact and leaders set the culture and set the stage. So um, Libby, I know you'll talk about this more in the future, but like we have a wiki that's very open. People can share content. Um, if leaders are willing to share things that are personal to themselves or experiences that they've experienced within their families or friends, um, that makes other people realize, oh, if that leader can do it, then I can do it myself, which creates a little bit more of a transparent environment. Um, I also think trust is really important, uh, building a foundation of trust. And like, I think about trust, there's obviously trust between two individuals, but there's also trust between people and an organization. So it's really important that people build trust with, I think about it from HubSpot's perspective, right? Um, so it's not actually just like telling people, hey, if you have something, like share it with us. They're probably just not gonna share it if you just say that right away. But if you are constantly listening to people, constantly sharing content with people, educating people, um, making people feel welcome and feel like there is that trust that builds up over time, then I think they're more naturally going to be able to share something that might be personal to them. So I think that's such a good point. What you're talking about is creating an environment where psychological safety yes. thrives. Yep. I know we have another podcast, or it's, it's coming potentially, um, about psych safety and yep. how we think about that at HubSpot. But you're absolutely right, I think you know, that, that trust is so, so important, not only for leaders and, and their team, but also leaders to, to the business as well. Yeah, I agree. I think storytelling is such a huge part of that too. Um, I think we've had some great leaders across the business tell their own stories. We've seen indi individual contributors on our teams do the same. And the power of the storytelling is that those people automatically sort of become very visible allies within the company. Um, and they make themselves, it's almost like they've put a sign in their, in their window, right? Of like, Hey, this is a safe space to talk about mental health, which I think is a little bit, we see, you know, on businesses, you know, pride stickers and things like that. And I think to some extent, the way that we use our wiki and the way that we talk about mental health there, people are doing the same thing. It's sort of like, you're welcome here. Um, it's so refreshing. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh God, I can be myself with this person, Absolutely. and I can be honest about what I bring to the table. Which was something too. We had a book club a, a couple of months ago. We read the Collected Schizophrenia's great book, um, and had a nice turnout and a great and robust conversation. Libby, I know you were a part of that as well. And just to see the company rally around a book that highlighted a mental illness that, quite frankly, is probably one of the larger bigger stigmatized issues. We talk about, I think, depression and anxiety in a more pedestrian way for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Like more people are getting help, but it also kind of, it's so normalized now that people are like, well, everybody's anxious, which is a whole <laughs> other thing, right? Um, but to see so many people talk with compassion and empathy around schizophrenia, yep. um, which is so deeply misunderstood, was, was really great. Um, Winston, do you see, you know, from your perspective, you're meeting with HubSpotters every day. What kinds of things, you know, should like a manager level person know if an individual contributor comes to them and discloses something like this? Yeah. What's a good way to respond? It's, it can catch people off guard. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the old school way of thinking about it is like training, training, training. We always need to give people training. Um, I honestly think like meeting with empathy is the only training you need. Uh, I know I'm making it sound simpler than it is, but in many ways, like listening, 
just saying, okay, like I hear you, um, what can I do for you? Asking just questions to people is really valuable. So training managers in all situations to be able to ask the right questions and um, understand what that person is working through and how to set that person up for success, I think is um, really critical. And then understanding how they can put the right support structure in place. Um, there's so many different things managers can do, organizations can do to make sure people are set up for success, um, regardless of mental health issues or not. Um, so uh, managers understanding what those options are uh, and proposing those options to people so people are aware of um, how they can take advantage of the resources available. Yeah, I have certainly experienced a wide swath of responses. I have my own diagnoses um, and going in and talking to managers about them. You get a full range of responses yeah. from, um, I'm not going to ask about, we're just gonna pretend that this didn't happen all the way to, I'm gonna treat you like a fragile person yeah. who can't handle anything. And, and everything in between, I think what's nice here, especially with the HRVP team um, and the work that you all do with managers to help have those conversations, yep. um, there's a lot more empathy and compassion and thinking about what is that individualized solution to fuel someone's success. Definitely, and I think like going back to some of the training I was talking about, it's more like educating folks along the way of all different types of experiences and education builds empathy. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing we did in one of the teams that support, we called it Project Educate. And it was very simple, but every uh, week we sent out an article that related to uh, a different element of diversity in the workplace. And every manager was uh, not even required, but encouraged to read it. And then they'd start a little thread where they could have a conversation about it, ask questions. Some people had more um, of a personal connection to that article at times. You could share more context. but. Um, in those situations, kind of being proactive and educating managers about different situations that people face. Uh, so then when they do hear about it, because a lot of times you assume that they know, they're like, oh yeah, of course you know that uh, that's something that a lot of people deal with. But sometimes you'd be surprised. I've been in situations where managers don't know. Um, so I do think as an organization, it's our job to make sure we educate managers so when the time does arise, um, they feel equipped and have some more knowledge than um, what they would have had before. Sure. Building empathy through education. Yeah. Winston, I thought what you said about listening being sort of a, a strategy for having these conversations between leaders, managers, and, and reports um, when they choose to disclose is really important. And one of the things I think about a lot with um, mental wellness uh, in the workplace is, you know, at, at least on my team, we really exist to listen to customers, right? That's how we uncover what problems they have, um, how they need need us to support them to you know get 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 their jobs done, um, and so if we apply that same skill that we really develop and cultivate when we are trying to solve customer problems on our teams, um, it's it's really just the same sort of behavior. Yep. And I think you're right. I think that listening skill is so undervalued in managers um, and leaders. Um, so that's something that I consistently really kind of reinforce with with my leadership team. Um, and then also that that creates a safe space, right? And that's where that trust comes in. Yep. So I think that's a really important point. Yeah, yeah Libby, you deal in um, like design thinking and going through those processes to solve problems. I'm curious, you know, as you think about applying that back to your team and how that sort of translation works, what kinds of challenges have you tried to tackle in this realm around diversity and inclusion on your team and 
And what have been some of the impacts of that? Yeah, so um, certainly we've, we've had our challenges. I think the, the first thing for me as a leader um, that I've really had to overcome is when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it, it feels to me like a boil the ocean type of issue. Um, I think we've all encountered these in our careers where we're faced with a challenge that just feels so big or it's new to us and we don't know where to start. Um, and sometimes there's a little bit of paralysis and like, well, you know, I've got to fix this big, massive issue right away as fast as possible. And the reality is this is not something that can be fixed or addressed immediately. This is sort of like a, a slow burn or a long game. Um, I definitely meant to say long game there, not slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any case, so I think th that has been probably the number one challenge obstacle that I've had to just face myself, um, you know, skin some knees along the way. Um, I think the, the second thing, just sort of as an extension of that, that I realized um, that has been sort of sabotaging or had been sabotaging our, our diversity and inclusion efforts on my team is just the, the pace at which we run. Um, you know, we're a fast-growing team. We have doubled in size in the last year and a half. Um, and so we're, we're constantly sourcing, filling roles. The work that we do, the pace of the work that we do is very quick. We rapidly iterate on um, you know, solving customer problems so that we can get those solutions out to them as fast as possible. And so you know, we, we work really quickly. And I think when we do that, I've, I've realized just taking a step back and kind of pausing, we, we run the risk of sort of tripping on ourselves. Um, and one of the ways that I'll point to um, is just in our sourcing and recruiting efforts. Um, and so we've really, we've done a, a couple of things to really step back, slow that down and be a little bit more thoughtful and deliberate about um, you know, who, who we're looking for to join the team. And doing that has allowed us to really, um, really di diversify um, the talent that we have on our team, identifying where we have skill and competency gaps, identifying um, you know, one of the things that I, that I love about our team is that we have people who speak many different languages. We have people who have spent time working in different parts of the world. Um, all, of, all of these skills and competencies are fantastic because they really mirror our customer base. And I think it's really, that diversity is really, really important as we're solving customer problems. So those are just a few of the things that we've, we've dealt with. And we're not there yet. I think we have a lot of progress to make, but I'm, I'm also really proud of how we've kind of stepped back and forced ourselves to slow down a little bit. Yeah. One thing I want to jump in on around yeah. the design thinking question, um, this is reminding me that, Lydia, I want to talk to you about this at some point. Let's I'm, do it. I'm obsessed <laughs> with the design thinking concept. I think it's really cool. Me too. And it applies to diversity in so many different ways. Uh, I've probably done the least... Uh, technical design thinking exercises imaginable with some teams, but uh, it, it keeps saying the word empathy because it's probably my favorite word, but it's the best thing ever. And design thinking builds empathy as far as I understand it. And uh, we actually did this exercise with the uh, PeopleOps leadership team during their offsite where we uh, created profiles of different potential HubSpotters. So um, someone that was a person of color coming from um, a low-income background, someone that um, came from a big company, someone came from a small company, someone that worked in education, all different types of variables that we could exist. And um, we had them, uh, each individual kind of put themselves in that person's shoes oh. and then thought through, if I were walking into the door at HubSpot, 
like how would I view this place? Like what would be the pros and cons of my experience? Is that design thinking? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Any, you know, here's, here's what about design thinking. Yeah. We can get all fancy and creative with, you know, frameworks and yeah. there's plenty of them out there. But the point of design thinking is that you are deeply connecting to the customer, the yeah. user, the um, candidates yeah. uh, kind of problem um, or world, yeah. and then developing solutions Perfect. as a result of that. So yes. Cool. Okay. So we did that, and then we brainstormed a bunch of different ideas and things that we felt like were broken for um, everyone, because I think we want to make sure everyone's successful. So I think that is a really interesting like tool that can be used to make sure everyone um, or companies can set up their companies for everyone to be successful. Yeah, it, it strikes me a lot of, and I, Winston, we've talked about how um, the the idea around there being diversity programming or diversity interventions, those are yeah. um, can often be not very inclusive yeah. and and holistic yeah. in their in their you know we're gonna run this for women and we're gonna run this for LGBTQ people and, and we're run this for people. people of color. Yeah, you end up tokenizing people. You end up duplicating work because you're creating very similar solutions for every single individual group. Um, but I think that there's fear in a lot of companies, especially in the tech space, is like, well, everybody's doing it this way. And if we don't demonstrate to the outside world that we have something for all these individual groups of people, like, what is the risk then that the, the space as a whole is running into um, if we continue to focus on discrete groups over time? Yeah, uh, it's a big question. It's yeah. it's hard. So I think you're getting at like intersectionality here, yeah. and that like someone could be struggling with mental health and also be an underrepresented minority in the workplace. So that could be very different experience, and that person is not just experiencing uh, HubSpot in a box within each one of those three demographics, right? They're that's their entire spectrum of experiences. Um, I really think, and I was talking about this earlier. I really think we need to stop thinking about it from like programming specifically to groups um, and more so about programming to make sure everyone can be successful. Um, so we want to think about it as like anyone that walks in the door, regardless of what they're struggling with or where they're coming from, uh, is able to be successful. Um, and how can we make sure we generalize it enough so that's the case? Um, because like sometimes I hear the word diverse candidate. What the heck's a diverse candidate, right? Like that means that they're different than everyone. Like there's no, everyone's different, right? And we need to celebrate everyone's differences and that's a good thing and that's why we focus on diversity. So um, I don't have the answer, but I do think a lot of programs and hopefully something we can do more at HubSpot is not necessarily say diversity is over here and then within diversity there's these three different pieces, but it's more so like these are the employee experience at HubSpot and it's incorporating success for everyone imaginable. I really value your leadership, you and your team's leadership on that. It's it's helped me very much sort of frame how I think about building a diverse team. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Very helpful. Libby, from a mental health perspective, obviously mental health is something, especially any sort of diagnosable mental illness, is something that kind of eb can ebb and flow, um, can be, you know, under sort of control in terms of your treatment plan, you know, one day and then the next day you're just sort of flat out. Um, you have been very open and honest with folks at the company and publicly about your struggles. Um, and I'm curious, 
where, how did you make the decision initially to go from just kind of coping with your own mental health issues on a day-to-day basis, which is enough work for any single one person, to saying, I'm not only going to do that, but I'm going to sort of publicly lead the charge and say, Look, this, is what I, this is what I walk into work with every day and invite all of the who knows what kind of response, <laughs> yeah. right? I think for me, you know, this is a condition that I've struggled with my entire life. Um, and the older I've gotten, the easier it's it's been to sort of treat and manage my symptoms, um, but also really develop a deep connection with myself and sort of the face that I'm putting out to the world. And I think over time, I, I just have realized that I have been, you know, dealing with this in my personal life and then kind of checking it or trying to check it when I walk into the door of any workplace. And that's really exhausting. Um, And I think many of us who also struggle can identify with that. It's sort of like, you know, you're not being honest and authentic with yourself. And when I came to realize that was about the same time that I came to work at HubSpot. And um, remarkably, I found my way to this awesome company that was actually very open and willing to allow me to express that without fear in the workplace. And so I, you know, I was very thoughtful about my decision to disclose and talk about it publicly. Um, And I think I've made the right decision. Um, I continue to feel supported here. Um, You know, I I talk about this with my team when it's appropriate. Um, The other reason that I have chosen to be so public about this is I, I would love for us all to think about diversity, especially hidden diversity, as a source of strength, as an asset to what we bring to our work and in our personal lives. And that's something that I've also realized in my own journey. There are some things that I have some skills that I've developed in learning how to, to treat this um, that I think are really unique and allow me to do my job very well. Um, And I don't think I or anybody else should hide from that. I think it's a wonderful thing that should be celebrated. And so by telling my story, I hope that I encourage other people to identify those strengths that they are also cultivating in themselves when when we all go through hard things and bring them into the workplace um, to the benefit of our teams and our customers. So. Yeah, I think Winston's been talking a lot about empathy as a tool for, you know, having successful inclusion efforts in any workplace and the need for everybody to sort of understand empathy. I think folks with mental health issues in particular have a heightened sense uh, and can be great teachers that are, they learn to be when they learn how to cope with a mental illness, how to be empathetic empathetic with themselves mm-hmm. it's like a necessary part of wanting to get better and can be really great teachers of empathy to others who haven't necessarily had that experience which is a deeper understanding you know like you were talking about like healthy coping mechanisms like if i you know as maggie with um generalized anxiety disorder have things that i do every day that help to keep that under control then i know that people on my team who knows that i struggle with that on a daily basis if they're going through a really stressful time, they don't necessarily have something diagnosable, but they know that they can come to me and say, I am just completely stressed out. Like, what are some of the things that you do every day that I can maybe do until I get to the other side of this? Yeah. Absolutely. Libby, question for you. Yeah. Um, so you said when you first joined HubSpot is around the time you felt comfortable and you were able to share it. What was it about HubSpot when you joined that made you feel like it was the right time to share it? 
A couple things. One, um, and this this first thing is a bit hard to quantify, but um, I, I, it's a there's a feeling here. There's a feeling here of openness, and I and I felt it from the moment that I walked in the door. Um, openness, transparency. That's one of our values that we all practice here, um, and you know, it, it just felt like a safe space for me. The other thing is um, I connected very quickly with a few folks, um, HR business partners, um, and we were, about the time I started, we were, I think, running a week where we were celebrating mental wellness in the workplace, and it was just through a couple conversations that I had with folks, and I, I disclosed to them, and then they said, would you be willing to participate? And, and it was a very easy yes for me, frankly. Cool. This is something that I've been thinking about, of course for a really long time, and I think I was just um, waiting for the right time and place yeah. to kind of have my coming out. Yeah, that's great. But by, I, I felt very supportive. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I want to, and I, as a leader here, I take that responsibility really seriously. Um, I want my team and everybody that we work with to also feel supported in, in their, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks yeah. for the vulnerability. Oh, it's, yeah. It's very uh, <laughs> important to see that in a leader. Yeah, you use the term coming out, as a matter of fact, and I think that that is a very similar, it's a similar experience of, like, um, one minute someone, like, knows nothing of this thing about you, and the next minute it could change their perception of you, and you don't know how that's going to go. And so it's great to hear that you felt only warm, good vibe responses from folks at HubSpot, because I know that probably not everywhere you have worked in your career, just like in any of our careers, it it might not have been that way, the same way that, like, LGBTQ folks, depending on, like, when I was a high school teacher, I didn't come out when I was teaching, even though I was already out in my personal life. Like, I don't want to deal with that in rural central Illinois, right? And so you kind of put it out there, and just people can do whatever they want with it, and that's a really scary, vulnerable situation to be in. Absolutely. I think Brene Brown, um, the great Brene Brown, said... The amazing Brene Brown. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, there are no adjectives to describe, <laughs> accurate, accurately describe her. Uh, I think she said, courage is contagious. Um, and if she didn't, she's quoting somebody else who's equally remarkable. But I, I think about that a lot. I think there is um, sort of a contagious sort of um, spirit that goes along with people who are able to be courageous. And, and shed the fear. And certainly I think that courage has, it, you've said it's made you a better manager as well. Absolutely. There are so many things that I've learned in my journey that I apply every single day. It's funny though, I didn't, I hadn't always connected those dots. It took a lot of introspection to see that in me, um, but but now I practice it daily. You know, things, things like listening skills, so important and undervalued. Um, I push myself to spend more time listening than I do talking. Um, and, um, also things like iteration, you know, like figuring out how to, how to sort of like navigate the waters of any kind of mental illness. I think if you've, you've been through that, you know, that it takes many cycles to get it right. Um, even down to the diagnosis, sometimes you don't have the diagnosis nailed right away. And so you learn to be, if you're committed to, to getting well, to getting better, you, you have to be patient and you have to be willing to sort of participate in this kind of like iterative testing um, type, type of process. So 
um, that is directly applicable to, to what me and my team does on a daily basis for, for customers. So yeah, I've learned a ton. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think living with a mental illness as an, as an iterative process um, of recovery, um, you're never recovered from most of the things that are diagnosable. It's just an iterative process of recovery it resonates a lot with me. I think the other thing about diversity and inclusion efforts that we often sort of miss the mark on is this idea that the day that we hire someone, whatever boxes they check are going to be the boxes that they check for their entire career at a company. Um, And especially with something like uh, mental illness and particularly at HubSpot where we hire folks, you know, who are pretty young in their career and therefore also very young in their brain development. Like um, they're just, they're more susceptible to onset during some of those Mm -hmm. earlier years that they're working at HubSpot. And I, that this myth that um, we check a box and it's checked forever or we can't add anymore, it just it seems like a real shortcoming of how we sort of navigate the world. But the storytelling piece and the being vulnerable, sharing our stories, letting people know that, hey, you know, if you need to come back and check a box later on, I'm a safe person to talk to you. And that's something that I really admire about you, Libby, is that you're making that possible especially among a population of folks in like product and engineering circles that often don't disclose anything personal, right? Like if that's not the work culture that they have been trained into in, in all of their training. Yep. We're here to break down those walls. That's right. <laughs> are there any other myths that you feel like are out there about diversity and inclusion or mental health in the workplace that we should be tackling as we move forward, in, especially into 2020? Yeah, I think we hit on one around the um, it's, a, it's a journey, not a destination. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to remember that we are always going to be trying to build a more diverse and inclusive workplace and we'll never be done which is very different than in most other business problems that we work with, which I think is a challenge for folks here. It's like, oh, we're in a room. We can whiteboard it, we can figure it out, let's execute it, let's measure it, and we're good. Um, yeah. Diversity and inclusion doesn't work that way. So I think that's one myth that's really important that everyone should realize. I think uh, another one is, especially when it comes to mental health, is that if people don't disclose something, then it's not our problem. Mm-hmm. Um, People may not feel comfortable disclosing things. It's their decision, and we talked about building trust and encouraging people to disclose those things, but um, we still have a responsibility to set the environment, like I was saying earlier, where everyone can be successful and set up for success and thrive. Um, So we, like 45 million people every year struggle with mental health. Like, obviously there's a lot of people at our company who do struggle with mental health. Some we know, some we don't know, but we need to assume that there are people here um, and we need to make sure that they are set up in the proper way. Uh, the managers are set up to support everyone. So I think that's important. Um, yeah, I think those are two of the biggest things. That's that a really about. that's a really good point. Statistically, you know, one in four of us, you know, just walking down the street or the halls of HubSpot will be affected by mental illness at some point in our lives or are currently. So 25% of the, the population is, is substantial. And you're right, like, I think we, we can't force people nor nor encourage them to disclose Mm -hmm. but at the same time it is on us to create an environment where it's safe to do so if you feel comfortable i think another myth uh, i just thought of one more is that if people do disclose then that means they're not going to be uh, effective in their role 
Yeah. And I think that that's one that actually I've, I've heard from managers before, mm-hmm. um, full transparency, where it's like, oh, they mentioned that they have anxiety or they mentioned they have depression. Uh, are they going to be able to do this job anymore? Like, should I be concerned? What are we going to do about this? Like, are they going to hit their numbers? Um, and I think that goes back to what Libby was talking about, of like, we need to kind of flip the script and like, this is actually a strength. Like, they're bringing yeah. something very unique to the table that's going to help us. Um, and we need to look at it that way and give them the support that they need. So. Uh, I think it's a it's a myth that I hear too often that if someone uh, is struggling with something, they're not going to be as effective in their role. Yep. 100%. Um, I want to thank you both for taking the time to have this conversation. I This is like my happy place right here is, <laughs> is talking about mental health and the ways that we can bring it out, of, out from under that cloud and really start to talk about it and see it as an asset to a company like HubSpot um, because we work with customers who bring the same issues to the table um, day in and day out. And we need not only a product that's responsive to that, but a core of people who are customer facing within the company who have empathy for it. Um, and we can only by developing empathy are we going to continue to be the company that we want to be. So mm-hmm. thank you both for being here. Um, thank this you, is, Maggie. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Maggie. Yeah, Great you're job. welcome. Um, I hope we can all continue to have these conversations throughout um, the next several months and years. I want to um, just let everybody listening know that there are probably several other podcasts in your feed from the Culture Happens team. Click that subscribe button to hear more, and we can't wait to talk to you next time.